it again. What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome back to Meet the Creatives Live on Instagram. Uh, super happy to have everyone here. Tonight we have my good friend Bianca coming on from Jackie Winter. Uh, really excited. Bianca, feel free to jump in whenever. Request to join. Here we go. Yo! Oh God, hey, hey. What's good? So good to see you. I'm so loud. I think my windows are open. Yeah. So, uh, Bianca is one of the, my first friends uh, that I made uh, in New York. I don't know if you know that. Uh, that you know, I, that's crazy. Like, you're one of the first people I met in New York as well. Really? Oh my God. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, let me make sure I have your proper title pulled up here. So, Bianca is the managing agent and producer, North America at the Jackie Winter Group. Bam. And is it true that I'm the first Australian you've ever met? Uh, yeah, because I met... Uh, you obviously met Gemma O'Brien. Gemma O'Brien. You had her on the show earlier this week. Yes, I know. It was amazing. Mm. That was so much fun. Um, yeah, it was you, and then I think it was Andrew Fairclaw. Andrew Fairclaw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a great podcast episode, by the way. You guys got really deep into, like, vintage. Yeah, about nostalgia. Like, he revealed I'm his... having a breakdown. Oh, my God. Yeah. One day, like, down the road, when I'm, like, more established, I'm going to release, like, the, the, the unedited version of that podcast. I'm just kidding. Andrew, don't have a heart attack. Um, but thank you for being here. Yeah, I think we met at the AIGA Christmas party. Or was it the Young Guns? I feel like it was... And you were like, it was a working, not working thing, maybe, but maybe it was an AIGA thing. Wait, maybe it was. I don't know. Shout out It was probably, honestly, it was probably the Young Guns. But yeah, yeah, shout out to New York for bringing us together. Exactly. I, like, exactly. Miss, I miss going out and doing that stuff. Like now that we're in, um, in isolation. Down. Yeah. So it's nice to connect with you over to Instagram. This is my very first Instagram live, so I'm very excited. Don't be nervous. It's totally yeah. I'm, if you get nervous, just just like wind me up and let me go and I'll just keep talking. Yeah, and yeah. Collect yourself. Um, so a little introduction about yourself. Uh, and it's so funny because like I said to my wife before this podcast, I was like, you know, uh, Bianca's so cool. I knew like the second I met her, like we kind of just like, it seemed like I knew you forever kind of thing and you've got mm. great energy. But I actually like really don't know like all that much about you. So this yeah. is going to be a unique opportunity. So for people that don't know you. Yeah. Well, I am an agent and producer. I'm a creative producer um, at the Jackie Winter Group, and we represent commercial artists, so image makers that do either illustration or animation or crazy things like paper craft, typography. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Australia, but I live in New York. I'm chatting to you from Brooklyn right now. We haven't nice. really left our apartments in a very long time. And I feel <laughs> like, unfortunately, New York, we're going to be probably the last people to be able to leave yeah. our apartments. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, we, we could start a show together. We could do, you know, whatever. Yeah. We got time. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> yeah. I kind of just feel like I'm like going crazy doing these like over and over again. But it's it's been really fun and really rewarding. And um, I'm kind of enjoying that like there's a, sort of a captive audience and everyone's home with not a a whole lot of excuses. Like yeah. some people are like, oh, like, sorry, too busy. It's like, are you really? Like, <laughs> are you too busy or you just can't be bothered? Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's okay. All the people <laughs> that pass on me, I have like a list. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, and guys, if you have questions, let us know. And don't worry, Bianca, I'll make sure that we answer only awesome, epic questions. Uh, if you have questions about uh, the Jackie Winter group or about Bianca in general or about illustration, whatever. Um, so I guess, 
a question that would be on a lot of people's minds when looking at, you know, the, the website of, you know, Jackie Winter and seeing all the amazing, talented artists. You know, we mentioned Andrew and all these different people, Gemma. And um, so uh, how are you guys going about making some of these decisions about, like, mm. who you pick? I know that it, it's, uh, it says that it's a roster. So, like, every year mm. there's a new roster. Or mm. how, if you were, like, looking to get on the radar of the Jackie Winter. Yeah. Team, yeah. It's so funny. I just answered this question today. We have uh like an online slack community called corvid it's a terrible name we came up with it over a year ago but it's oh so close to COVID 19 that it's embarrassing um well, epidemic sound i think is yeah, a pretty but, bad name right now too so there's a yeah. couple of companies that have that yeah. but i mean jackie went to the agency just a little bit of backstory the it's named after an australian bird is really? the jackie winter and corvid is a bird that um I actually can't really remember the story, but it's a bird that like collects, like it makes tools, I think. And it, it's really like quite an intelligent bird. So we started this community called COVID Community where emerging illustrators, um, illustrators that are maybe like midway through their career can kind of like come together and chat and share advice and share like, I don't know, like wins or frustrations about being a commercial artist. And, and through that, we do a little bit of, it's like a nice way, instead of us trying to answer every question that's ever DM'd to us or emailed to us, it's a way where we can kind of like share knowledge with the community. And yeah, I actually answered that question today and I was thinking about it. I mean, we receive submissions from illustrators. We receive a lot. We look at every single submission that we receive. We would love to be able to get back to everyone, but it's, not possible because we have um you know it, it just how many hours in the day do you have and we have a roster of really wonderful artists that we've kind of a lot of them you know we've been working with for almost like some a couple of years some five years some 10 years um but yeah when we're looking for artists sometimes it's like it's right place right time someone will uh email us and their work just is fits for what we're looking for but most of the time we're doing honestly what like the way that you would attract the attention of an agent is really the same way that you would attract the attention of someone who's commissioning illustration, whether that's an art buyer or an art director. Um, and really we're looking at Instagram, we're looking at uh, graduate exhibitions, we're going to exhibitions, we're looking, you know, we might like walk past a billboard and, and say, Wait, hey, that's that a looks... paid job? Could I just go? Could I be like a talent scout? Is that a thing? Oh, I mean, it's like, it's a I'll part of like shows. our job, yeah. It's, you know, it's just like keeping your eye on the industry and, and seeing what's out there. And a lot of the time, yeah, if you're creating work and you're putting your work out there and, um, yeah, and you're being involved in the creative community, whether that's going to events, like going to AIGA, like where we met, or, you know, being involved or putting your hand up for volunteering for something or collaborating with a friend on something or doing like a piece of work that you're really passionate about that, um, you know, may get a little bit of, I don't want to say viral, Right. like attention but make like it a little bit of attention kind of, uh, yeah. Kind of poorly over last yeah 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 but yeah i mean we always like part of my job is to really like be looking for talent and be like to really keep an eye on what's going on and and whether that's kind of like a style or whether it's like utilizing a certain technology um yeah i mean if your work is out there and you're making work um we're probably going to come across it at some point. But other times, you know, we might just need something. Like we might have a really specific need for 
a certain style of work. I mean, unfortunately, commercial art can be quite trend-based. Right. Um, Definitely. And, yeah, and sometimes, you know, we're just like, ah, oh, we just don't have, like, a, like a 2D animator that can do this certain type of work that we really need and, and we know that it's something that our clients are wanting to commission. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so sometimes it's like a need and we go seeking for it. But yeah, it's really just, I think there's a lot of Instagram, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's important too. It's like, and, and I think this is kind of what you're getting, getting at. Tell me if I'm mm. interpreting this correctly. But um, I think, you know, in illustration and design, I think that if you're young in the game and you see a trend and then you base your whole style around that trend, by the time you probably got a good hold on that trend, it's already something else. And mm. I, I think what I like about a lot of the artists that you guys have on the roster, which sounds so cool, by the way, mm. um, I think that the work can be kind of eclectic and, and mm. out there. And is there's a lot of unexpected solutions, I guess is, mm. is how I, I would say it. So I think that just whatever feels natural and fun and kind of like having your own unique Style. Oh, having your having a voice. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you know, it can be it can be quite overwhelming to be bombarded with work, especially on Instagram where it like moves so quickly that all feels very similar. Like you really yeah. like you know, we really wanna be finding artists who have a unique voice that can like sit within our roster and kind of really stand apart from um anyone else that we represent so that there's no competition between artists on the roster right. um and you know have like a an interesting like both visual point of view and also like personal point of view you know there's like editorial art directors really love working with people who they know will understand what it is that they're trying to get across in a story um right. you know like sometimes advertising art directors or art buyers will come to us and and you know they'll really want to align with someone that has an interest in something, whether it's music or whether right. it's like a social cause. Um, and there's sometimes opportunities for artists to align themselves to, uh, yeah, to really like be able to express both their visual voice and their own personal voice through commercial work. Um, right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we want unique artists. That's at the end of the day, like if you're, if you're creating work from a place of just kind of like jumping onto a trend and following that, like that's going to be very, like what happens when that trend goes away? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How did you originally um, get involved in this and like your own mm. personal journey? Did you mm. always kind of, did you, you have like an awesome Pinterest board and then you were like, this needs to be a, a job now. How did it all happen? Honestly, I had no idea this job even existed. And I'm pretty sure that anyone that's, in a role of either creative production or as an agent has really fallen into it. Like you can't go to university to study to do this job. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really exist. Like the production side, you can definitely go through like a film and television kind of stream and, and, and decide that you're going to become a producer. But yeah, my role, for some reason I was, I, yeah, I had this gravitation towards the creative industry and I wanted to study something creative and I studied multimedia design at university many many years ago this was like when flash was still a thing Adobe flash and so right. we made a lot of interactive um was that in New York by the way or where, where no it was in Australia, in Australia was, still, okay, yeah. yeah at Swinburne University so I've lived in in New York now for four years so okay. 
yeah. Oh, so you my just life. moved there when I met you. Yeah. Ah. Yes, that's what I said. You're one of the first people I met. Yeah. Okay, good. I like, yeah. almost didn't believe you out of the line. I was like, mm, I don't know. But now your story uh, adds up. Yeah. Um, I studied multimedia design, which was kind of like a mix of animation, 2D animation, 3D animation, filmmaking, graphic design, interactive design. It was like a real sort of like hodgepodge. It was pre-social media, like really all that existed. I think I graduated in 2006 and all that really existed back then was Facebook. Um, yeah. And I, I had this, like, I loved being around the creative industry but when I got to the end of my course I kind of thought I don't really think I want to be a creative like I was offered two uh, graduate positions at um, studios being a designer and it just didn't feel right and I listened to my gut and I turned them both down um, ended up working retail for six months and started doing musical theater which was something that I'd always wanted to do but just didn't really have the time to do while I was studying and then six months into that, I thought I should probably get like an actual job. Um, and I had interned in my final year of university at this animation studio that made TV commercials. Um, and I emailed the director and I was like, and they were a tiny studio at that point. I think they had like four full-time staff and then that would kind of like expand to bring on freelancers, like whenever productions, uh, yeah, expanded. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just emailed the director and I was like, hey, I want to get a job in admin. Will you be my reference? And he's like, Bianca, if you're not being a creative, can you come in and talk to me? Because I think you'd be a really great studio manager. And I was like, what's that? Like, I had no idea, like yeah. really what that was. Like, I honestly like didn't even really understand the advertising industry for someone that's so ambitious. I'm like, I can't believe that I just really was about to just, I don't know, move into this like suburban life and not do anything. Um, <laughs> I so know I exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very similar arc so far. I totally mm. understand what you mean. Yeah. So I did that, um, worked under a really great executive producer, uh, who's still a very good friend and mentor of mine who taught me how to be a producer. And he really taught me, um, he'd come from a film background working with live action directors and I'd done quite a bit of animation through um, my studies and so I taught him like a lot of technical stuff uh, about animation and he really taught me how to negotiate with clients, how to communicate with people, how to communicate with big egos because the advertising industry um, is uh, unfortunately full of them. <laughs> yeah. Those um, are the same sorry. people that tell me they're busy because uh, yeah. they, they don't have time. The same exact people. Yeah. So I spent maybe four and a half years producing television commercials. And I really loved that, like working in a studio alongside other like art directors and animators and technical directors was just so much fun. Um, uh, and I learned a lot about working with creative people. Like I would- Like what were know, some of the things? Like just, it really like being able to stand in, in front of someone and say, hey, here's the feedback from the client. And then you see on their face, all of these like walls go up because the client, the feedback is not well thought through and it's not actionable. I was like, right. oh, actually my job here is to make this easy for you to take the next step, to right. be able to like get any of those like emotional walls or whatever it is out of the way. Um, and just start doing creative work. And so that was the best learning that I had was to really be able to be in such close confines with creatives and to, you know, we would ride pitches together. Like you would, like at the time we were represented by a production company. This was back in Melbourne, but we were represented by a production company in New York. 
Um, and, you know, we would wake up to this like incredible opportunity for like a McDonald's or a Honda commercial. And um, it was like a lot of fun. Like you had enough money to like really do something really cool. Like the thing that I love about animation is you're able to build a world. And even though it's only a 30 second TV spot, it's right. so much fun to be able to build that and have like the resources and to build this like really fun thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I did that for four and a half years and then um, Melbourne is tiny. Uh, I have to go. Only... It's an amazing city. If I, I don't get, when this, when this all wraps mm -hmm. up and we can like do like international travel again, like, yeah. and I don't get an invite to an Australian conference, I'm gonna be yeah. legit pissed. <laughs> well, that. let's hope it's like the borders open up soon because yeah. 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 Um, Sorry. But Melbourne's tiny. Uh, the creative industry is tiny. I'd known about Jackie Winter. Um, and I just by chance had a friend of a friend that worked there and she mentioned that they were looking for someone. Um, and yeah, I emailed my now boss, Jeremy, who's the director of the agency and said, Hey, do you have a job available? Like I'm kind of interested. And it's now been like almost eight years that I've been with Jackie Winter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, I couldn't think of anything else that I personally would really be able to do. I don't know. I think a lot of, a lot of the team that I work with, we've all kind of come from these, like really having like some kind of interest in the creative industry and whether it's like studying photography or whether it's studying industrial design or advertising and really wanting to be a part of it, but not wanting to be the one that does the actual right. work. Like we're yeah. in this incredible position where we can work alongside amazing people and facilitate their work. Um, right. But also, you know, for our clients, it's like we get to bring something to life that might seem impossible and try and do it in a way that they don't even notice that we're there and, um, the process is really smooth, but for our clients, uh, sorry, for our artists that we represent, it's working alongside them and, and building their careers um, and, you know, figuring out exactly what their goals are commercially and trying to make those happen, which is really fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, I, and I've kind of had that too, kind of the struggle between, because when I first entered the field, there was a lot of talk about, you know, especially because like, I kind of come from more of like a traditional graphic design, mm. you know, like my like college dreams are always like do huge out of home signage yeah. things and like outside Madison Square Garden and stuff yeah. like that. And um, kind of like for a lot of like New York designers, that's kind of like the dream or whatever. But it was always kind of told to me to like focus. And I think that this is kind of like what you're saying about, you know, like be around it, like get close to the sun, learn what you can and learn to be like a practitioner so that mm -hmm. when it comes time to um, whether it be like select a talent or like make connections, it's like, you know, what it looks like. And mm. I think that I, that I kind of had it like with this podcast when I grew it, where I thought to myself, like, am I wasting my time in becoming graphic designer? Or should I just be like the guy who talks? And um, I think those two things have kind of like grown like in tandem mm. together. And um, I, I think it's good because now I feel like if I didn't do that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily and having all that on the ground experience, I wouldn't necessarily know what great design looks like. And yeah. like, well, yeah. I might not be like that sharpshooter designer who's gonna like, you know, make the brilliant campaign that wins all the awards. I definitely, I feel like at this point have been, been around it enough to, to know what it looks like. And the people who help to facilitate those relationships mm. are just as important as the people that are actually 
doing the work itself. But for some weird reason, I, I had it in my head, and maybe it's just my own like bad data or whatever, but I had it in my head, like, I have to do it. I have to sell it. I can't. Yeah. But, but now I'm like, I look at people who are, are in your position, and I think like that's so, that's so cool. And it's kind of something that I aspire to maybe do one day. It's just, um, mm -hmm. and like you said, you brought up a great point earlier about like, you didn't even know like it was a job. Yeah. Um, I realized over the past, I think over the past year, I've really realized that I don't know what half these jobs are called anyway. So at first. Oh, like, and they're like totally so different. Options. Any, yeah. And any, <laughs> like, especially in corporate America, like any, like sometimes it's a creative, sometimes it's a content. I don't know, like whatever it is, like they have different roles anyway. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I didn't know if I wanted to do like, I'm like, am I going to be in recruitment one day? Am I going to be a designer one day? Am I going to be like the, the heady guy at the top who's like making all these a design? What do they call it? A thought leader? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> but I think that it's, it's good to kind of talk about these different nuances and um, yeah. kind of like the different tenets of business because it all mm. kind of has to work together. And, mm. you know, I think that design and art and illustration, you know, like you were talking before about like editorial design. Like there's such a, like, there's a need for the, an understand, an intimate understanding of the business. Can this person mm -hmm. turn it around quick enough so that it's on mm -hmm. schedule? Like it's, uh, and as I understand it, and maybe you could tell me it, but like, is that kind of like the nature of editorial work is like learning how to like turn it around quick or how do you Oh, I mean, like, if you think about like, if, like the New York Times, my- oh, Nine questions, by the way, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the Pepsi I'm... is setting in. <laughs> Yeah, the New York Times, you know, they might just the speed of news right now, like they might need you to turn around something within a day, within, mm -hmm. you know, eight hours, 12 hours. And I think that that's definitely a skill in being an editorial designer is being able to respond really quickly to uh, an idea, like a piece of copy, a story and turn around some concept sketches and and i think a lot of that for really fast turnaround stuff there's like a really wonderful um moment that happens between illustrators and editorial art directors where they really do form a, a very intimate bond and so you know when the things come up where you have 12 hours to turn around an illustration yeah um as opposed to maybe having a week maybe having three weeks if it's a like a monthly or a quarterly magazine um yeah, you want to you want to know that you can trust someone to deliver something that is going to be printable when you have a really like stressful deadline. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think as a commercial illustrator, part of your practice is really trying to really make your work, uh, make your practice as efficient as possible. And part of that is having, you know, your paperwork sorted or learning how to work with a client, learning how to take feedback, learning how to take a brief, learning how to um, do all of the kind of like admin stuff and do it quickly so that you can just get into the illustration. But it's also continually working on your technical skills and continually making sure that, yeah, your like skills are technically up to date so that you can turn around things as quickly as possible. And so that revisions aren't a huge um, roadblock or that, you know, you don't really have to go back to the drawing board if someone wants to change something because commercial work is very much a collaborative process. The client right. has a goal that they, you know, they either need to sell a story or sell a product, you know, it's Pepsi. Um, right. And they have a lot of like business input 
and business objectives that, that they need to hit. Um, and right. you're there because you have this like wonderful style that's going to, it's right for the campaign or it's right for the story and it's going to bring it to life. And so how do you do that in a way that's efficient? And part of that is your process. And it's really understanding how to work with a client and be able to take them along a journey from the first sketch to the finished art um, and learning to be a good collaborator. Like we always say, I think part of commercial illustration, like it's definitely a service industry. If you want to be a fine artist, go and be a fine artist and, right. and hopefully someone will pay you to or buy a piece of work from you. But for right. commercial art, commercial it's very design. much... Right. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, and, you know, the the sweet spot is when people are coming to you because they really love what you do and they love your style and they think it's perfect for the campaign. But there is obviously all these business objectives that need to be met. Um, right. And, you know, when you get into things like, I don't know, whether it's like alcohol uh, advertising or it's a insurance company or a bank or something like that, like there's certain things that unfortunately, like you can't, draw anything that's going to be inappropriate to a very mass market so yeah yeah, you kind of have to really learn like what yeah where you can be uh i guess what your boundaries are and like what you're um willing to make compromises of and and really learning how to be someone that is easy to work with and open to feedback but at the same time like you know there is obviously you can't just be uh someone that like is going yeah 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 <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah i think uh and forgive me for not using one of one of your artists but just from a conversation mm-hmm. i had earlier this year with uh christoph neiman you know he's mm-hmm. a prolific and, and his oh, output, incredible. output is insane and the work mm-hmm. he's done netflix documentary constantly working with a new yorker and various other publications and stuff like that like you said has established that intimate relationship with with uh editors, editors and, and yeah. friends and um but you know i think that one of the the things i really took away from his podcast was it's like you kind of in that editorial landscape you kind of have to have like these sort of core outputs something you can replicate and kind of make in like you Mm. know not not actually but you can you know make in like 10 minutes kind of thing you know quick turnaround yeah um but i said but i think that he was really great in distinguishing those those two different things because it's like one is like an output and something you can turn around something that you're known for something mm. that you and 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 this all happens over time right it's like cumulative mm. over the years so you, at this point he has a whole bunch of different outputs a whole bunch of different styles but like for people that are just entering he was like have something that you can turn over and you're proficient at and you can do it again and again like if you you know said hey rob like draw a smiley face i'd be like there it is you know what i mean it's, yeah it's like an output but then yeah. behind the scenes though that work ethic is so important because you can have that but behind the scenes you're always stretching and, and not on like the company dollar but you're always hmm. stretching the notions of who you are as an illustrator or who oh you yeah are as but that it's not the time to do that when you have eight yeah, hours when, from, yeah from, when yeah when there's know, a 12 hour deadline or a, a two-week deadline when someone yeah. you know there's a lot of like with commercial work there's there's often a lot of um the stakes are higher so you want to someone wants to every now and again you might get a project and an art director that really trusts you to push things like a little bit experimentally but most of the time right. we say we work in the creative industry but sometimes it doesn't feel that creative <laughs> because you know right. the the marketing manager that doesn't have a visual eye knows that they want something and then the art director is there to try and like 
bridge that gap. And then, yeah, you're, as the illustrator, you're there to deliver something that is exactly on brief within the time that you have and without too much um, stress or, yeah. Um, but we actually have a question on here. I just, I just saw, I actually missed it. So, but finish your thoughts. I don't want to cut you off. Well, was this, I was going to, you had Gemma on the show um, a couple of days ago, but she's someone that, I mean, I've had the privilege of working with her since she first started freelancing like eight years ago. And she's someone that has continuously pushed herself to try new things. Um, right. And there's, I think with anyone, there's like a, a cycle where you will, you do the personal work and that's the stuff that's really exciting. That's where you can, you know, play around with things. You can play around with different themes. You can play around with different techniques. You can push yourself creatively and whether that goes into an exhibition or whether that is just something that you do for yourself and then it gets to a point where you put it out onto social media. But that's the stuff that other creatives are really interested in. Like that's going to attract them to want to commission you for things and then they'll like that's just that cycle but you might if your entire folio is commercial work it gets to a point where because you haven't pushed yourself to really innovate and push yourself and stretch your style like right. maybe the trend leaves you behind and, yeah. and you know there's this some like 12 year old tiktoker that's probably i don't know doing something super <laughs> interesting with art that we don't even know about Right, exactly. I totally agree. Um, okay, we have a Yeah, go to the questions. Um, so we have one, guys, and this is from Sean Nemitz. Um, mm -hmm. And feel free to guys, we have about a half an hour left here. I'll touch this off in an hour, but feel free to send me your questions. Um, what is the part of your job that you're naturally good at and naturally bad at? I like that. That's, that sounds like the, the name oh, of the band. Naturally yeah, bad. Naturally bad. Um, That's a terrible job. <laughs> Oh God! Well, start with I the good. Advocate. Always, I always hated talking about money. I hated. Me too. I hated negotiating. It took me like a really long time to feel comfortable, like putting any kind of like personal uh, beliefs aside about money, and just realizing. And it gets easier the more kind of uh, experience you have, the more you understand the value of things and. And, you know, the more knowledge you have about what things are worth and why they're worth certain, you know, like a, a dollar amount, like it gets easier, but I really hated talking about money. Um, and yeah, I'd say, I don't know, like, I think um, my role is really part, it's about visual appreciation and having a good eye, but it's also very much about communication and empathy and being a clear communicator, being a concise communicator, but also being an empathetic person that can really, I'm at times can be in the middle of trying to get the best out of both the artist and the client. And really, I think understanding the creative process and having gone through a degree that was creative and it was practical and I was a maker, I think has been, it's naturally, made the process of working with other creatives really easy but yeah right. hate talking about money you, but it's like gotten easier for the, for yeah the right exactly <laughs> uh, we have another question here um how would you recommend by the way i really struggle with the concise part and and money by the way i have lost mm -hmm. i have probably lost tens of thousands of dollars djing because i refuse to have that awkward conversation about like why it costs them so i will always like under budget myself so don't feel bad it's okay 
Well, um, no, but it's like, I feel like it's something that you can definitely learn and it's, it well, can be I'm scary. Better, yeah, you know, yeah. Officially at this point. Yeah, 10 years later, I'm finally, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's definitely something that can be learned. And I think like some things that can make it helpful is talking to others about, um, you know, I mean, our artists are lucky that they have someone advocating for them. Like it's easier for an agent to say, hey, this, like, this is worth, X rather than the artist who might be like wrapped up emotionally in the yeah. project. So, um, but I do think like educating yourself on there's so many resources that exist like just online. Uh, you know, the AOI, the Association of Illustration, has great resources um, that they share uh, on what kind of like standard rates are. So, and looking at you know the way that other businesses price things or talking that's to your peers. Tip. I don't know if I've heard that before. So that's really good because I feel like a lot talk, of people yeah. feel like they, they need representation in order to like have that kind of fail safe. But it's good to know that there are resources that. And what was it? Oh, it was there's the AOI. so much. The AOI, the Association AOI. of Illustration, um, okay. and talking to your peers and and not being afraid to have this conversation. Like, hey, I had this client that came to me with or has come to me with this project. I think it's worth this, but they've said to me that it's only worth this. What do you think? Like, I think that those conversations with people that you trust are helpful and yeah. not being afraid to have them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. Crushing the game, by the way, so far. Doing an amazing mm. job. All right. Um, how would you recommend pushing yourself when you're a full-time working mom? Great question. Oh, God. I don't know really if I can honestly answer that because I am not a mother. <laughs> Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's a really great question. I'm sure you work with a lot of working moms, though. I know this yeah, and it's uh, it's it's funny. Like, um, someone made a comment the other day about like, oh, you know, how is how is being in quarantine or being in lockdown or being in isolation like any different for a freelance illustrator? But you know, a lot of artists, yeah, that are used to just going into their spare room to do art or to go to their studio and now dealing with having their children at home and homeschooling and and honestly yeah. it's hard and i probably the word pushing um i don't know how far you can push i don't really have a great answer for that other than uh if it's something that you really want to prioritize maybe there's a way to prioritize it but honestly i couldn't answer that because I have Not no idea what it's like to be a mother and I feel like it's, it's tough. Yeah. 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 My wife and I, uh, we obviously like want to probably have kids in like the next couple of years, whatever. But, yes. um, but I, I think that uh, it was kind of like a blessing that we didn't have them yet. And I have a whole bunch of empathy for people that are in the situation because it's been, it's been hard enough just, you know, with, with two like coming up on 30 year olds and like that is stressful as shit to begin with. So yeah. having kids in that mix, god bless those people that's amazing so yeah now the questions are coming in see it's like a yeah. quick, uh, peer pressure keep them thing. coming yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm running out of questions here people so keep <laughs> coming. um okay uh what if you lost your enthusiasm designing in uni uh somebody from the other side of the pond here i'm assuming i don't know uh i always compared myself to my uni fellas back then and i lost confidence and momentum that's a great question i think mm. something that's really relatable yeah, and I feel like that's something that you've probably talked to a lot of creatives about. Um, just trying to ease yourself back into it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be really, especially with social media, like I even find myself comparing 
myself to others like it's it's tough uh, not to compare yourself to your peers but yeah I think coming from a place where something's enjoyable and you have maybe like there's there's a there's some kind of itch in you that you want to express on the page or on the screen whatever it is and just doing it getting back into it um and enjoying it I think yeah to start um yeah and yeah I don't know what do you what do you think Rob I feel like you have that conversation a lot I'm like I'm like trying, I'm like biting my lips trying not to say no um <laughs> you know I've said this a thousand times in the podcast so for, forgive people that are fans of the show that have heard this mm. but I think that I, I've had this myself I had it uh this past April and you know I was out in San Francisco and um you know I was doing this thing with Type Thursday um and I was talking to uh Ben Crick from Collins who's been a friend mm -hmm. over the years and when I was in school like when I first met you I remember like being wildly inspired okay, so I was same thing burnt out in college then went to a couple studios like Collins and Pentagram and saw all mm. this work and then I was inspired and then I took my learnings and I went home and I and then did like freelance projects and got like fired all the time and it really like especially freelancing like as a, it could really like take the wind out of your sails mm. and I kind of got to a point like do I even want to be a designer anymore and I remember being in San Francisco talking to Ben Crick who's a guy and the whole team really there but at this yeah. point conversation in particular you know just about like man like it seems like it's gonna take like a really long time and like I, I, I don't know I, I look up to you I feel like I'm never gonna be like you and Lee and all these guys I look at and I think what he kind of uh imparted on me was that it's okay that it's gonna take a long time and to not like not look put too like, much like, pressure on yourself yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like it, it's learned over time he's he's older mm -hmm. than me he's worked a lot harder than me and I think that just having nuanced conversations with people like, you know, I, I we're kind of like from a similar like socioeconomic background, we're mm. living in the same city, working in the same thing. And he's somebody that like uh, I look up to and it's not somebody who, who is like, um, it doesn't seem out of reach. And I, I just, you know, finding out like, did, did you struggle with imposter syndrome? Yeah. Did you have this and- um, And most people would say yes. <laughs> I right. do. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And it was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of nights like staying up, up all night working on campaigns like Spotify and stuff like that. But yeah. I wasn't doing that. You know what I mean? I was sitting around saying like, they don't give kids a chance. Mm -hmm. And I think learning that it the that the output was predicated on hard work, that the out that that it's not going to be easy. And then anything worth, you know, it sounds so cliche and I feel like people probably hate hearing this, but mm -hmm. anything worth, you know, worth having takes like a long time, whatever the expression mm -hmm. is. I think it's true and just um and if you're experiencing a lot of friction with it you you may not like what you're doing i know that's really hard to hear mm. from people that have you know they spent the last five years trying to become like an illustrator or whatever it's like if it's if it's really hard and you're experiencing a lot of friction that i think is the time to test and stretch all the notions of what you could be especially like mm. if you don't have kids if you're younger if you're just out of if you're just out of college it's like you're, there, there's a unique opportunity there and people that have it completely figured out by 30 or even by 40 like sometimes like it's more rare than you think it is most mm. like most people are disenchanted with the with the design community and and struggle with you know keeping their head above water keeping jobs and stuff like that like when you see somebody who's like 35 who's like a design director at like rga or something 
it's it's not that common. I mean, yeah, we all can't be Jessica yeah. Walsh, you yeah, know? Exactly. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I switch places with her. No, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, just talk to people, I think. Just yeah. conversations like the one we're having right now with people that, like, I guess my point with Ben is, like, I could see my, like, he, that seems like it's, like, attainable. It doesn't seem yeah. like it's, like, wildly out of reach. Yeah. And just a little nudge from him was enough for me to go home and download some fonts and, you know, mm. like, open up InDesign, just like little and play by play around a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get, play it like in the sandbox, if you will. Okay, I don't want to take up too much time. Yeah. Ben's probably no, weird enough, probably telling that story, <laughs> but it was very meaningful to me at the time, okay. Um, what advice would you give to an aspiring animator in high school? In high school, my goodness. You're, you're, doing, you're, off you're already off. ahead of everyone. <laughs> that 35 year old art director, that's gonna be this kid right here who's thinking about that in high school. Yeah. Um, Gosh, what a fun time to just like do whatever the hell you want. I think that that is my yeah. best advice. Just make things that are fun, um, that are enjoyable uh, without, you know, you have like not really having even like a university um, curriculum to follow or like, you know, any kind of corporate uh yeah, any sort of business that you need to adhere to, like just have fun and just play around. Like that is like it, probably if I could go back to like being in high school and like creating things. And for me, it was like in MS Paint making like web graphics. Yeah. Just fun. Like just making shit for the sake of making shit. Like just that is, I I, I still think like a lot of artists that I speak to, like, that is so foundational like all of that kind of learnings from when you're 13 14 15 16 yeah um yeah just have fun i don't I think you, you need to like I, yeah. I i started this podcast just to this person who's in high school i think it's really cool i don't think that i i one of the things i want to do i want to talk about high school more and because some people message me like i'm 14 years old like help i'm like well, you're fine like what do you mean like <laughs> but like when i was in high school the the skills the baseline skills in photoshop and in iMovie and stuff that i learned in high school that seems so like trivial and stuff like that were the foundation that allowed me to start this podcast and eventually mm -hmm. i learned like industry best practices and stuff like that but um I, again just kind of uh to, to quote lee mashmeyer follow your curiosity it will never let you down if you're curious about animation dive deep into animation and if you like and on the opposite side of that coin if you hate it and it seems like it's a struggle, you probably don't like it. So if you're curious about pursuing something, just follow your curiosity. It will never let you down. Bam. Curious, yeah, curious. I should have said that last kind of time. People. That last yeah. was like too long. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving here. Um, how to manage and control different illustration styles. How, how to manage and control different illustration styles as an illustrator, question mark? Ooh. Um, there's like a lot of debate about that because there's like a lot of obviously illustrators that have one style that they do very well that they're able to apply to different subject matter or different mm. applications, whether it's like, like I think about uh, artists we represent like Craig and Carl, their style is so recognizable, but it there's this sort of like I guess uh, they're able to apply it to typography, to murals, to uh, animation to children's work to more sort of like fashion work to editorial work but they have like a very very like solid 
recognizable style. And then there's other illustrators that are really great at illustrating a lot of things and a lot of different styles. And I think that there's definitely a need for that. Um, mm -hmm. Gemma you... O'Reilly comes to mind when I think about somebody who's really versatile. Like, mm. like she's so good, but it, it could be so like vastly different. I think that's mm. so impressive, yeah. really, you know? Yeah. It's not the same trick over and over again, you know? Yeah, but I think, like, you know, if you're an artist that has, uh, like, I know that there's artists that have, like, a very almost uh, contemporary style, but then they maybe have, that's, like, maybe a little bit weird, but then they have work that is better suited to the children's market. They might have two different folios. I think it's fine to actually think about your folio as its own product and its own brand and, you know, you might have a, you might have your commercial illustration, but then you might have your fine art practice. And I think mm -hmm. it's okay to separate those in a way that makes sense to someone that's coming to your work for the first time that wants to commission you for a certain thing. Um, yeah, I don't have like a great answer of how to Doesn't deal it? with that, <laughs> but I think that, that you can, there's definitely a place for artists that work in a lot of, uh, that have a lot of diversity in their style that is fine um and there's an appetite for that and it's very useful um uh especially you know if you work in-house as a design studio and you might be the sort of in-house illustrator um or yeah if yeah i think that there's definitely a place for having yeah a range in your style but how you uh present that i think it's really a question of thinking about like what kind of work you want to attract, who you want to attract, and making sure that how you're presenting your work makes sense to someone, like putting yourself in the shoes of the person that's going to come to your folio and say, hey, I want to commission this person. Like you might just like, if most of the work you do is in this one style, but then you have this other kind of like, maybe like simpler style or more bread and butter corporate style, maybe you just put that in a separate part of your folio and have it on its own. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times, just real quick, just tack on to that. A lot of times, like, you're also based off of, like, your worst piece, too. So, like, sometimes it's good to, like, do it, like, on the side. And then, like, when it's ready, then put in your portfolio. Yes. You don't need to show before, everything. Like, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. Don't you, don't, you don't have to show everything. Like, you know, you no. show the work that you want to get. Yeah, exactly. Um, how do you deal with imposter syndrome if you have it? Everybody has it. Everybody. Everyone has it. Yeah. <laughs> um uh talking to people as we've talked about Follow me uh, realizing and yeah realizing that you know everyone struggles um just doing it like you know like hitting send on that email that you're scared to hit send on i can't imagine ever living you know in new york if i hadn't finally just like got the courage to say, hey, this is what I want to do. And then it was so easy once I actually like did that. But yeah, yeah, uh, just putting it out there and yeah. seeing what happens. And it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't matter if it, it fails. Like you reiterate, I don't know, like you, sorry, like you, uh, yeah, you keep going. Recalibrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got you, don't worry. We're gonna finish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And uh, the, the one thing I say like, on imposter syndrome is it's like everybody has it, but don't allow that to be your excuse as to why you're not chasing mm -hmm. your dreams. There's like way too much like rah, rah, like, oh, imposter syndrome. So it's like, like, yes, it's like relatable. And yes, everyone has it. But like, also, and this is like an unpopular opinion, but it's true. Like, 
people don't, like that's not like an excuse it's not like a crutch and i feel like so many people talk about imposter syndrome it, it's really great but it's also like not gonna pay your bills if like that's you can't rest on that you know what i mean it's like yeah, yeah like yeah you're scared and everyone's scared but like you can be scared and not think that you're good enough and be tenacious at the same time you know what mm -hmm. i mean yeah. Mm. I mean, I remember like even emailing Jackie Winter eight years ago to ask if there was a job. That took me like a day of working up the courage, <laughs> like feeling sick in the stomach. Yeah, to write that email. You do like and squats was... and stuff like this. Like, I can't. <laughs> it was like once I did it, it was like so easy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Exactly. Just do it. And everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. No one's that fucking special. I love these people that think like, oh, like, I don't know. I'm too, too, like, too busy. Like, okay, next person. And there's more like, in the same way, like, it's just like dating. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Like, if they don't do it, send it to another one. I used to like knock the door down of agencies who like really didn't give a shit about me. What I should have done is gone to 10 different agencies, see what I like, and like, mm. don't get set on one. Just like, lots of options. Reach out mm. to a lot of people. You'd be Try amazing if it's back. Yeah. Okay. Do you have advice for someone who wants to get into illustration, but has done textile design and worked in the film industry, but would like to change paths? Hmm. Um, uh, probably the best advice would be if you have time to do self-initiated work um, is to try and create work that is the kind of work that you want to be doing and that is in the path that you want to be taking and trying to inject yourself into the community that you want to be involved in and having conversations with people that are already doing it and like we did um yeah and yeah i think yeah making the time for self-initiated work that is the kind of work you want to be doing is probably going to be the most helpful yeah definitely um someone says i feel like some agencies hire it's who you know not what you know that's mm. true that's true to an extent but i have like a lot of uh and you can add on to this obviously here but uh it's so funny because like i always hear like it's all about connections and like take it from your boy who's got all the connections in the world like it doesn't really mean shit when like you have connections and you know somebody who got you a job and the and it's like hey like we need we need this deliverable back and like you don't know how to do clipping masks and they come back like two hours later and it's something that should have taken five minutes and then it takes you an hour. Like eventually you're just going to get exposed. So it's like connections will get you in the door, but they're also mm. like a real liability if you're like relying on your connections. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. And I think it's easy to, you know, if you are good at what you do and curious and uh, yeah, you're a nice person, you're an efficient worker. I think it's easy to, make connections that's yeah. one of the easiest things that you can do there's so many online communities there's twitter there's i mean when we finally get out of this quarantine there's events where you can meet people um yeah uh i think like but i think part of it is like putting yourself out there which i think is something that you know i i think someone asked before like what do you feel like you were naturally good at and what took time like I hate putting myself out there, but it's like the one thing that's like given me the most return is to yeah. put myself into a situation that's uncomfortable um, where I've like gone along to an event where I don't know anyone and I've gone on my own. And then suddenly I've met someone that, it, you know, I've formed some connection with and we've been able to work together down the track. 
Yeah. Or yeah. help each other down the track, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. When, okay, and we got through all the questions, so you crushed it. You crushed it. You need to, you need to do that, but you're so scared of tests. It's okay. Do Everyone's it. scared. Everyone's <laughs> really scared. I talk to my therapist all the time about how scared I am about everything. And I'm like I, yeah. really excited about life, you know? Yeah. I think about all the times where I've like read and reread an email and then like the physical like manifestation in my body. I'm like, oh my God, I feel sick about this. And then I do it. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was so easy. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank, yeah. you, thank you so much for doing this. You crushed it. That was an hour. That was like the fastest hour. That's of my crazy. Time. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your amazing answers. Uh, feel free to reach out to Bianca. I'm sure she'll be happy to get in touch. Right, Bianca? Yeah, that, that could be your absolutely. first step. You reach out to Bianca. She'll help yeah. Um, where can how are you? How are you finding quarantine? Are you keeping yourself entertained playing guitar? Yes. Well, you, knew, you remember that I play guitar. That's so nice. Oh, it's, oh, it's on Instagram stuff. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with it. I uh, and I guess we have like five minutes here, so we can just chop it up, and everyone else can just like watch as we just <laughs> yeah. talk and catch up. No. Um, you know, admittedly, it was like really hard. You know, I, I, my grandpa got sick like on like Valentine's Day weekend. Oh, and, wow. And that stirred up like a range of emotions because it made me think of like my brother in law and stuff. But, um, and I kind of talked about it on the podcast, but I've been really focusing on my mental health. I officially, a uh, little follow up to people that listen to the show, I actually went, it took me like two months talking about being scared, talking about your own problems to a complete stranger, really scary. But, uh, but I did it though, and I am talking to a therapist and I'm using Headspace and stuff like that. So I think that this quarantine, while it really fucked me up for a while, I feel like- um, It's a good reset. Yeah, it has dramatically reset the trajectory of my life. And when, I, when I'm, and you know, if and when things get back to normal, I'll be in Australia and <laughs> doing all these different things. But um, no, it's really good. And I think if anyone's freaking the fuck out, it's totally normal. I'm, I like to think of myself as a wildly optimistic person and have a great like uh, love for life and uh it's been really hard so how, how about yourself how have you been doing um i've started playing guitar which is like really exciting Yo, let's, yeah why can give you lessons she does like yes. lessons. she's amazing um yeah i've been teaching myself which is scary but it's fun yeah, yeah. it's kind of nice to like have something to work towards Dude, we're going to start a band after this yeah definitely amazing. we're going to go play like the brooklyn bowl we're going to have like a sold out crowd <laughs> Um, where can people find Jackie Winter online? The URL and everything. It's JackieWinter.com. It's JackieWinter.com. Jackie with a Y. Winter like the season. Um, Who made this for, website? This website is beautiful. Uh, oh best friends forever in Melbourne. Wow. Um, we also have a really wonderful creative community called Corvid. C-O-R-V-I-D. Corvid like community. With an R. With an R, yeah. <laughs> um, where there's a great Slack a Slack group, um, a lot of illustrators, both uh, from outside of our roster, inside of our roster, and the other agent producers at Jackie Winter, just sharing advice on how to be a great commercial artist. Yeah, that's amazing. Maybe maybe I can talk to Jackie Winter about how to get like sponsorships and stuff. I should probably consult with you guys after, but now you're on a podcast. But uh, <laughs> thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Pepsi for making this possible. <laughs> What if I just um, lied? What if I just like said and eventually they just like their PR department? Like, <laughs> why? Like, why would you do that? All right, that's it. Thank you so much for doing this. You're the best. Uh, Thank you. It was good to chat with you. What's up? All right, speak to you soon. It was good to chat. Bye. 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 B